Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, September 21st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, former Star sports columnist Joe Posnanski joins Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy and columnists Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian to discuss his new book, The Baseball 100. Joe tells the game's history through its greatest players, and he talks about some of the selections that have raised a few eyebrows with some fans. After a break, we get into Salvador Perez. Joe was in Kansas City when Salvi started his Royals career and has some memories of the young catcher who on Monday night hit his 46th home run and surpassed Johnny Bench for the most home runs in a season by a catcher. We had a great time on a show that started as a Sports Beat Live. Let's get going with the podcast. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation about the Royals with the folks in the media world to know them best. And with you, please send us your questions and comments, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. Before getting started, I want to thank our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. They've been with us all season, and you'll hear from them later in the show. So the gang's all here. Let's welcome in beat writer Lynn Worthy, columnist Sam Mellinger, and Vahe Gregorian, and someone else has crashed our little get-together. <laughs> it is none other than Joe Posnanski. Hey, Joe. We didn't have fancy stuff like this when I was uh, when I was at the Star. We didn't. We if we wanted to all get together, we would just have to be at an Applebee's or something. This is completely crazy. <laughs> Seeing everybody, it's great to see all of you. What's up, Joe? You too, Joe. So glad you can join us, Joe. Um, uh, so look. Uh, as as a way of introduction, um, Joe, and correct me if I'm wrong with any of this biographical information. Oh, boy. Uh, lead sports columnist, a lead sports columnist at the Star from 96 until 2009, perhaps? Am I in the ballpark there? Yeah, 2010, right right around there. And, okay, okay. Plenty, plenty of memorable royal seasons uh, as part of that. <laughs> And Chief seasons, and KU yes, yes. seasons, and K State seasons. Yeah, no, it was, it was. And look, we know they're all happy I'm gone. I, I get it. I, it, I brought nothing but heartache and pain my entire time in Kansas City. Got out yeah. right with the 2012 Chiefs, though. I gotta, I gotta throw that in there. <laughs> you always, you always want to throw in like one That's team what, that you had, and then of course, I like got, I got play it. That leads to you like getting to cover Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not really feeling sorry for you uh, in in any way, shape, or form. All right. Well, since leaving the star, um, now I know I'll miss a few here. Uh, Sports Illustrated, NBC Sports, MLB.com, The Athletic. There are many more. Um, The website is JoePosnanski.com. The blog is Joe Blogs. And the latest entry, of course, is a breakdown of the Browns' victory over the Texans on Sunday with a bit of an explainer on the curious call by Houston coach David Culley. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. So um, Joe is here because he has written another book. Uh, it is called The Baseball 100, published by Simon & Schuster, the forward written by George Will. There's going to be a discussion of the book on this show, but also another discussion with noted baseball writer, historian, and former Red Sox senior advisor Bill James on September 29th. That's a week from Wednesday. 
at the Unity Temple on the Plaza, the sanctuary, and that's on West 47th Street, and it's presented by Rainy Day Books. Okay, Joe, let's talk about this, the Baseball 100. Um, it, to me, it, it, it just uh, you, you're telling the story, basically the, the history of baseball through its greatest players. Um, not necessarily hard, you know, rankings of, of these, although I, I do want to get into a couple of them. Uh, but it's it's basically the history of the game in, I might add, 800 words <laughs> or a little more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say uh, a little more than than that. I think it uh, the total at some point early on, it was becoming clear that if I was really going to do 100 of these uh, essays, that the total was going to come out and it was going to be larger than Moby Dick. The, the book the book was going to be uh, bigger than Moby Dick. And then we passed Moby Dick at like number 31 or something. I mean, it was, it's, it is out of control. It's, it's 900 pages. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm glad you said that because uh, it is sort of my effort at telling the history of baseball through, through these hundred players. And, and of course the rankings are important. And, and I'm glad you said that because I know that as I do go through the media, uh, uh, spree that I will be going on over the next couple of weeks. Uh, basically, every single radio show, television show, uh, newspaper interview that I do will essentially begin with, "How could you rank this person here?" Right, like that. That is going to be the whole heart of of the conversation, uh, and which is fine. And I'm and I'm happy to have those uh, those conversations. Uh, but this really was more about that, about telling the story of the game, telling the story of these players. Um, and, and I think, I hope it works. I hope that, that people are going to love it. I, the, the early, the early response has been amazing and, and, uh, and people seem to get that this is, uh, you know, sort of my life's work in a lot of ways. Your life's work. Uh, listen, I, I, these are things, you know, you've thought about your whole life, right? I mean, yeah. these are, you know, the, these players and this game, uh, it's just a matter of, you know, putting it down on paper, really, isn't it? And um, uh, I, I don't, I don't know what comes after this for you. I, I believe Simon and Schuster called it your Magnus Opus. Right? So I like, uh, yeah, yeah, Opus. I, I like that. So Magnum uh, Opus, yeah. I, I didn't even opus. know what that was. I, I just, um, <laughs> but of course, you know, the, the great thing is, you mentioned my website, uh, JoePoznanski.com, my 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 newsletter. Um, I'm already counting down the hundred great and one greatest uh, NFL players in history right now. That's literally, I'm in the middle of doing that because I'm a crazy person and, and cannot stop uh, doing crazy things. Um, but look at this. Here's the thing. I got the book right here. Look at, look at how thick this is. This is, I mean, this is, if you, if you buy this book, I am guaranteeing that if you have like a light bulb to change in the house or whatever, just step on this. It's like, it's, it, this will totally help you. Uh, you can use it. To, I actually have a friend who needed to cap his chimney, and he literally put this on top of his chimney. Uh, I mean, this is a multi-use book for sure. But, but only like if, there's a, if there's an intruder, you could put it under your shirt, and you'd be. <laughs> <laughs> it will. It's not guaranteed to stop bullets, but I'm thinking for like a typical gauge bullet, it'll stop right at Nap Lajaway. I think like right around there is where it's actually going to uh, going to stop. So. <laughs> Um, man, this book was so much fun, guys. I mean, you all know me, uh, and, and you know how much I love the game and you know how much I love the history of the game. Uh, and, and for me, this was, I mean, it was a lot of work and it was a lot of hard work, but it was really what, 
what's better, you know, what's more joyful for me than, than going out and, and writing about Roberto Clemente or writing about, uh, about Sandy Koufax or writing about Albert Pujols or, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I live for. So, so, you know, that, I hope that all shines through as, as the book come out. And not Bo Jackson, but we'll get to that in a moment. Bahe, I saw where you had a, a copy of the book. Well, th thank you, Blair. And I just want to say, as soon as I got out of traction after carrying it back from North Carolina, where I saw Joe, I did indeed use it to change a light bulb. Um, no, but Joe, it's uh, it, just the, the thing I do want to uh, speak to. It, it really is the feeling of labor of love. And it, that's the joy you bring to your work in general. But here you are drilling into really, I think, what's most in your heart and soul. And, and uh, I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing. Uh, in fact, I haven't had a chance to read as much of it as I would have liked by now. But I was struck by one thing in your in your in the acknowledgments about that story you told about Billy Williams. And the reason I bring that up is uh, and I wonder if you could share that. But also, am I right to understand that that really speaks to a place of, you know, just simple curiosity about the game that, and, and the places that takes you? Yeah. I mean, look, the Billy Williams uh, story in my life is, is it's one of it's, I, I've told that story a lot. My daughter is, is there at KU uh, as, as uh, some of you might know. And uh, she is studying journalism, despite my, my uh, efforts to dissuade her from, from doing such a thing. Um, and she's not, she's not interested in sports. She's like more interested in crime reporting, social justice, that kind of thing. But the one story that really resonated with her as she starts, you know, she's working for the school paper and she's writing her stories. And the one story that really resonates with her um, is the Billy Williams story. I was not much older than she is now. I'm maybe even the same age that she is now. I was 20, 21 years old. And I was in a press box and Billy Williams, it was, a, it was the Charlotte uh, uh, team. Uh, they were the Charlotte Knights and uh, they were a Cubs team at that time. And Billy Williams was a traveling hitting coach for the Cubs. And so he was there in the press box with us. And, you know, of course, I was sit I was sitting next to him and I was in awe of this, you know, great Hall of Fame player and gentleman. And what a what a very nice man. And at some point, we just started talking a little bit. And I asked him uh, a question, which is clearly a very dumb question to ask a Hall of Famer. Uh, I said to him, Mr. Williams, I've always wondered what is the difference between a curveball and a slider. And I was 20 years old and, and every part of me should have told me, don't ask such a basic, silly, stupid question to one of the all time great hitters in, in the history of the game. Um, but there was a, I wanted to know, I was genuinely curious. I mean, I kind of knew maybe, but I don't think I could have put it into words and a few people around us, there were some, some media people there, kind of snickered and, and, and you know, looked back at who is this, you know, idiot kid that's asking Billy Williams. But you know what Billy Williams did? He took my notebook and he started drawing like little, you know, lines explaining. And he spent 10 minutes, 10, it was like a master class explaining the difference between curveballs and sliders, how they break. What's the difference when you're a hitter, when you're facing curveball versus facing a slider? What Bob Gibson's slider looked like compared to Steve Carlton's slider uh, or Tom Seaver's slider. And and he just kind of went through it all point by point. And it was I, I learned more in those 10 minutes, 15 minutes 
than probably at any other point in my life about baseball. Just just because I was having one of the you know the 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 professor explain to me you know personally what the difference is, and at the end he said something that really struck me. He said, "Don't let those guys get to you. They don't know the difference either." And and I just thought that to me is the essence of what we do, which is and all of us have had to do it. We have to ask stupid questions. We the the idea that we anytime we try to act smarter than we are is when we get in trouble. And and for me, I have no problem with that. I know that I'm pretty non-knowledgeable on basically everything. So uh so I've always tried to follow that and and I want my daughter to follow that as well. It's not there's no stupid questions. There are stupid questions. You just have to ask them sometimes. Joe, I, I've heard you tell that story before, um, and perhaps at an Applebee's, actually. <laughs> it but probably was. One, one thing I've always wondered is, uh, what if Billy Williams was just a jerk in that situation? What if Billy Williams went the other way and just sort of like, you know, you're impressionable. You said you're 20, 21 years old or whatever. I, I've always wondered about that. Like, would we have lost like one of the great, <laughs> Like, and I'm not blowing smoke here, but would we have like one of the great baseball writing careers in the last 30 years or whatever? Would it crush Billy Williams? Like, yeah, would it be, it be you know, as Vahe knows, I, I have had situations where people have yelled at me as a young reporter uh, <laughs> and was impressionable. Here's the interesting thing it's a great question. And if he had been a jerk and, and, uh, you know, I mean, maybe there was a part of me that knew he wasn't. I mean, maybe there was a part of me that knew I could ask. I don't know. But here's what I would also say. Even jerks love being asked stuff like that, right? Like they, like even the biggest jerks. I remember I was at the, at the uh, um, Belmont and, you know, I, I, what I know about baseball, you know, is, is very little, but it's a thousand times more than I know about horse racing. And I was at the Belmont and there was, there was uh, one of the, I think the horse was going for the triple crown. I can't even remember, uh, but it was one of the great uh, trainers. And there was a whole question about, about this certain, um, this certain thing that he was taking for bleeding there, that the horse was taking for bleeding. That is, Maybe it's either legal at the Belmont and not legal at the other races, or it's illegal at the Belmont and legal at the other races. I can't remember all the details, but I literally, I know as little about it now as I did then. And I, we were in a group of reporters, and I just literally asked, you know, uh, whoever it was. I mean, it was like, like I say, one of the, one of the, you know, I don't think it was Baffert, but it was Baffert-like. It was one of the, one of the two or three greatest trainers in history. And I said, okay, it's, I know this is going to sound dumb, but what is this drug? What does it do? What, what, you know, and you could feel the tension, but by the other writers, they were like, well, I was completely wasting their time and you could feel the tension, but you know what? The guy gave me a great answer because people love that stuff. They love, they, people really do like it when you say, you know what? I'm stupid. Can you please help me? <laughs> I need your help. Can you please explain this to me? Note to self, don't downplay <laughs> stupidity. Okay. <laughs> very Sam, good. Sam, Sam's heard me say this a lot of times, but I always find it very easy to play dumb. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Comes nat yeah. comes naturally. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Joe, jo, one of my favorite books, uh, really, of all time is Bill James' Historical Abstract, right? Came out in 1986, and he listed 
uh, not only the 100 greatest players in, in baseball history, he did it in career value and peak value. It was really interesting and fascinating and had you know, small essays on, on just about you know, everybody on that list. And I'm sure you're familiar with this. And, of course, you, you and Bill are, are friends. How was how your book and your list different than what he did? Well, it's inspired by Bill. I mean, there's no question. Bill's work, um, you know, and he did it again when he did the new historical abstract. He counted right. down the 100 greatest players. Um, so that played a big role. His list was more about the ranking and it was and it was very statistically driven. Mine is also statistically driven, but it's it also has, you know, a lot of subjective elements to it. I think what's different, I mean, you know, look, Bill is the standard, uh, but I think what's different is I go much deeper into the players. I go much deeper into their stories. And I think I try to connect the players to each other in, in the way of, of telling this history of baseball. I mean, I think that's what's really different. I think, you know, Bill's a great writer and and doesn't get appreciated for that uh, as much as as he should. But Bill, you know, there were certain players that Bill was like, okay, yeah, I, I'm super interested in this guy. I'm going to give you four pages on him. And then there were other players that he would just like write pass. He would just not, yeah, he wouldn't even he wouldn't even write even a single sentence about them. And which was the way Bill wanted to do it. I mean, that like I say, it was really more about the rankings and 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 you know, he ranked uh, in the new historical abstract. He not only ranked the top hundred players, he ranked the hundred greatest players at each position. So. You know, so he ranked the hundred greatest catchers and the hundred greatest third basemen, and so you know it was it was much more about like a, an exercise along those lines. And for me, it was much more of a a, a, a historical ep- exercise, a story about the game. And uh, and you know, I think mine's longer than his. I think I, I mean, you know, he wrote a lot of other stuff in his and put a lot of statistical things in there. So I think more words in mine. That's my guess. Joe, I was I was curious how you came to the decision to not so much just go straight rankings and in some cases just associate guys with numbers that they're that, I mean, like Dimaggio, I think, is the one that sticks out. Like what what made you make that decision? It's a great question, Lynn. Uh, you know, there are a bunch of players in here who I connected to numbers rather than sort of just put them in the ranking of wherever the formula showed them to be. And there are a couple of reasons I did that. One is I kind of feel like ranking players is more of an art than it is a science. I mean, there's not really a whole lot of difference between number 31 and 34. I mean, there there might be in, in the fans' perspective, but, I mean, realistically, you could flop them and it's fine and nobody would even know. I mean, it's, it's you know, except the fans of those two players. Those are the only people that would really know. And so I wanted to connect players with, certain numbers. I felt like that that would be I the the one that really struck me was uh Tom Seaver. And and I thought to myself, you know, Tom Seaver is such a beloved figure obviously in New York, and I thought to myself if I rank Tom Seaver number 33 or something, yeah, it'll be fine. There'll be people who think that's too high, there'll be people that think that's too low, whatever. But if I rank him number 41, they'll remember it because that's who he was. He was he wore number 41. And so the toughest one was DiMaggio, and and you bring that up exactly. He's the one I had to move the furthest in order to make it work, and uh, it's a, it's arguable if it works. I've I've already received a couple of of emails from people who said that 
by ranking DiMaggio number 56, I, I, they're not buying the book. That's it. That literally, they, I wrote hundreds of thousands of words, but because I put DiMaggio at 56, they're not buying the book, which is, which is fine. Uh, but to me, he is 56. Like I see the number 56 and the first person I think of, the first thing I think of is Joe DiMaggio and his 56 game hitting streak. So, so I wanted him to be 56. I knew that nobody would ever forget that. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I tried to do that with a bunch of players, but it was most uh, compelling, I think, with DiMaggio. And, Joe, one thing that uh, certainly differentiates your list from, from those of Bill's, uh, you included Negro League players and steroid era players. Of course, that, that's a timing issue as well. But um, how, how did you come to those conclusions? Well, yeah, Bill actually in his latest hundred did actually have Negro Leagues players in there. So he did not in the original list, but he he later added them. There was never a question in my mind I was going to put Negro Leagues players in there. I mean, obviously you guys know how passionate I am about the Negro Leagues, how passionate I am about the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum uh, in Kansas City and Bob Kendrick and and the, the great work they do. Um, so there was never a question. The question was, where do you put them? Um, and that was... That was feel, obviously, you know, I didn't use statistics for them. I didn't use, you know, the formula that I use for other players, obviously. Uh, so that was a lot of feel. I ranked them in my own mind uh, against each other, like, you know, who I thought was the greatest Negro Leagues player, number two, number three. And then finding where they belonged on the list was just uh, a bit of a feel thing. The steroid thing was a little tougher, Um in my mind, this is not the Hall of Fame. This is the greatest players of all time. So I wanted to rank the players where I felt they belonged as the greatest players of all time. And that's not to say that I didn't just, you know, sort of knock down, knock them down a little bit for steroid use. I'm sure I did. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, as the formula came in, some of these guys would have been higher based purely on the formula. But then I think you have to incorporate a lot of things about who they were and what they accomplished and how they accomplished it. But that doesn't change the fact that Barry Bonds is the greatest hitter I ever saw. And, and, you know, it's, it's something that I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the fun. It's part of the debate. I'll, I'll tell you guys a story if you want uh, a little later about, uh, about what it meant to rank Barry Bonds number three. So, so I'll, I'll give you that one in a bit. <laughs> Okay, well, let's uh, let's take a break here and hear from our sponsor. And when we come back, we'll pick up with Joe Posnanski and the Stars coverage team. The Kansas City Royals lineup is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare, the University of Kansas Health System. We both suit up with one goal in mind, to win. The University of Kansas Health System, official healthcare provider of the Royals. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, 
and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with Lynn Worthy, Vahe Gregorian, Sam Mellinger, and Joe Posnanski, whose book, uh, The Baseball 100, uh, is available because Vahe's got a copy of it, so we know it is available. Well, I think Vahe actually has an early galley version of the book. Uh, he he does not have the hardcover. Uh, the hardcover will not be available. And I, it was because I, I gave it to him. By the way, guys, nobody even mentioned I'm wearing for oh. Salvi. For Salvi. We're going to get to Salvi in a moment here. <laughs> I, I want to get your thoughts on, on Salvi, and, and and maybe that's where we can reveal where Johnny Bench is on the list uh, of the Baseball 100. But uh, – Barry Bonds, please. Yes. So I'm at home uh, with my wife and I guess both daughters at that time before my my older daughter uh, went off to college. And uh, I had just written uh, the Henry Aaron uh, essay, or the essay I had just run. And the phone rings and uh, and it's a Milwaukee number. And I, you know, you all of you know, it's Usually if you get a number from a city you don't know, it's probably a talk radio person wanting to talk or something. So I wasn't going to answer it. And my wife said, yeah, you probably ought to answer it. And so I did. And it was actually former commissioner of baseball, Bud Selig. And and Bud had called me. Of course, he was very close to, to Mr. Aaron. Uh, they were very good friends. And he wanted to call me to effusively praise the essay that I had written about Hank Aaron, which was incredibly touching and i mean he just went on and on and on one of the best things he'd ever read on hank aaron or you know it was just it was very very nice and you know he had found my number i i believe it or not i'm not normally just chatting away with bud selig um and so it was very very nice and then he said i see you ranked him number four who do you have ranked ahead of him and i said (laughs) i have Harry bonds and boy Every good word that he had said about me before that, gone, just gone. And and he spent the next 10 minutes yelling at me. So it was really a very, a very lovely conversation with Bud Sealing. <laughs> That's great. Um, maybe a good time to reveal uh, one and two since we, uh, since we know now three and four. Although I will say, so just so you know, and I think I told the story to Vahe, uh, a few weeks ago, I did an event with John Grisham, which was really, really cool. You know, John Grisham has a new book out, or it's not that new anymore, but called Suli about basketball. I, I mean, if you guys read it, it's it's really kind of fun. Yeah, the Blair, the, you guys, uh, basketball guys, it's it's kind of fun. Anyway, I did this event with him, and 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 I was emceeing it. It was his event, and uh, we had a great conversation. But at some point it came up that I had this baseball 100 coming out and he asked me a bunch of questions. He's a big, big baseball fan. He asked me a bunch of questions about it. And then finally he said, okay, who's number one on your list? And I'm like, John, I'm not asking you to reveal the ending to your book. I mean, that, that, that's, come on. So uh, it's not a secret. I have Babe Ruth at number two and uh, Willie Mays at number one, which is uh, probably – I would say has probably there there are like five five or six things that that draw the most ire from people. You know, one is where you have Barry Bonds having DiMaggio at fifty six, Koufax uh, is too low, Ishiro's too low, uh, various things like that. But probably number one on that list is is ranking Willie Mays over Babe Ruth. Uh, I it, I can explain it, but I think it's better 
in the book. I, I think I, you know, they're, they're both obviously legendary figures, I, but to me, uh, it felt right to put Willie Mays at number one and, and I'm happy that I did. Okay. So maybe when we revisit this list in about 10 years, uh, this player can be added to the list. Okay, Beth, let's, let's run the clip. Long pause. Now the pitch and a breaking ball is hit high and deep left center field. That's way back. And that ball is gone. Number 46 for Salvador Perez. And the Royals lead is seven, nothing. That pitch hung up for Salvi, and he smashed it into the bleachers above that 19-foot-high wall in left field. Salvador Perez, home run number 46, RBIs 114 and 115, and he's now, for the moment, tied Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for the Major League home run lead, both with 46. Salvi getting a big hug from Whit Merrifield as he comes back to the dugout. Uh, what wasn't mentioned was uh, Salvador Perez surpassing Johnny Bench for the most home runs in a season by a catcher or a player who has spent at least 75% of his innings as a catcher. So uh, just an unbelievable season. Unlike anything we've seen from Salvador Perez, he, with his next home run, he'll be 20 higher than his previous you know, career um uh, so, Joe, in town, and you're in town enough. I mean, were there a lot of conversations about is he a Hall of, will he become a Hall of Famer? What is, where should he end up in the AL MVP race this year? But those are questions that create fun conversations. But it's just been a joy to watch this guy this year. I, I think he's been a joy since he came up. You know, actually, if, if people, uh, I just got the alert. If people go to to JoePosnanski.com, I wrote about Salvi, uh, and it's apparently was posted uh, by my editor uh, while during, we're so during, the, during the clip. <laughs> during the clip, exactly, exactly at the same time. Um, but what I talked about in there, and you know, the, Sam and, and Blair, you'll you'll remember this, Lynn and and Vahe, you you caught him a little bit later when he first came up. There was this real excitement within the Royals organization that did not match up with the sort of general scouting view of him. Like they're like scouts kind of thought, okay, here's he's he's good defensively, he's unbelievably slow, his bat speed is eh, so so. He'll probably be fine. He's but he's going to be a good defensive catcher and and you know, and the Royals were no good then and it was like there was just a sort of an overall, but within the Royals organization, there was this real excitement because as we all know, Dayton Moore and JJ Piccolo and, and those guys, what they really love are players who just love the game, right? The players that just are, are utterly driven by the joy that they feel for playing baseball. And that's what he had from the very beginning, right? From the very start, from the day they signed him at age 17, he was just so joyous about baseball. So so they always knew that there was something super special about him. And then, of course, people in Kansas City found that out pretty quickly. The team got better right as he got better. And, and then, of course, the back-to-back the -back pennants in the World Series. And he played such a big role in that. So I think he's always been a joy. And you always knew you were going to get everything that he had. And and to see him come back off of the, off of the elbow uh, injury, missing the whole year, to come back even last year, what we were seeing from him was completely different and new than than what we'd seen before. And 
this year has just been unbelievable. I, I just, you, you know, you've, it's one of those, it's, it's, it's so fun to watch and, and so much fun for Kansas city fans, but it's also just this sense of pride for him. You know, you just, you just like, this is good things happening to good people. Yeah, look, he, he wasn't chopped liver before, right? He was the oh, no. World Series MVP. and But uh, to, to, as you said, Joe, to have the season he had last year, it was almost like, okay, he did that not only in an abbreviated season, but even more abbreviated for him, right? I think he only played in 39 or 40 games of the 60. Uh, anybody can have anybody, right? Uh, but <laughs> many people can have hot streaks you know, over that, that, that sort of time. But the fact that he carried it into this year means he is just a different different kind of hitter. And uh, listen, I, I think even you know, Kansas City fans would love to see him one day be an AL MVP. Not, not going to happen this year, is it? No, not this year. Uh, look, Shohei Otani had the MVP one in March, I think. So, um, you know, it, it, it's not going to happen this year. But He'll get votes. I mean, he he will he will finish higher in the MVP than he ever has before, for sure. But it, again, breaking Bench's uh, home run record, which is a weird record because because obviously uh, Salvi's hit 15 of these home runs as a as a DH, and and so it's a weird record. Like like Javi Lopez actually hit 41 homers as a catcher, so that's sort of a record too. But but you know, breaking Johnny Bench's record, the one that I think we would consider the record is. It's amazing, and and by the way, you guys saw Johnny Bench's response to it, which was wonderful, and and uh, it's always great to see older, uh, legendary players sort of really appreciate the players of today because I don't I don't think we see that all the time. No, that was cool. The Johnny Bench response was was really neat. All right, just a couple quick things, Joe. How about um, what do you what is your take on the Cleveland Guardians? Wow. Uh, you know, it's still weird to me. Oh, look, of course, I'm thrilled they got rid of the name. I mean, I, I've been I've been wanting them to do that for, for years and years and years. And I'm thrilled they got rid of the old name. Uh, and I love that the Guardians is a very Cleveland thing. It's connects to the Guardians of Traffic on the on the Hope Bridge. And 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 so I love that. The thing that's weird is it doesn't it's like it doesn't sound any better now than it did when they announced it. And I, I realize we haven't even started yet. They aren't officially the guardians yet. They haven't actually, but it doesn't like every name, no matter how goofy it sounds at first, after a month or two, you're like, all right, maybe I'm sort of used to the Las Vegas Raiders or something. Um, I'm still not used to it. It still sounds really goofy to me, but, uh, but I'm hoping once they put out the full, the full gamut once they start wearing the uniforms and everything else, it'll, uh, it'll start to feel right. All right. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, you're, uh, you know, among your current projects is uh, professional football's top 100 players of all time, leading the list of the second hundred players. Uh, that would be 101 through 200. There isn't a 101 through 200. There's just a 101. Um <laughs> is a, a quarterback who is coming off a loss, uh, I might add. Uh, in yeah, that was his home. fault. Yeah, blame him. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, he didn't play well enough in that game for, for them to win that game, yeah. To get or jump into the top 100, obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, so t- tell us about the list and, uh, and how, how is this going to unfold and when, when will we see uh, uh, a top 10? 
Yeah, well, it's good. It's going to unfold over the whole season. I'm going to uh, start doing them. There'll be two essays a week, but but they'll cover more than two players. Uh, and uh, you know, this was this was in a lot of ways trickier and tougher than baseball because there's there are a lot. It's a lot more complicated. It's a lot more of a team sport. The positions are are much. You know, it's like it's not that hard to compare a left fielder and a right fielder or a second baseman or a shortstop or whatever. But, you know, trying to compare a cornerback with a left tackle is, is uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, plus you don't have many great stats to work off of on most of the players and, uh, and so on and so forth. But uh, you know, I think it's a feel thing. I think football is more of an emotional game anyway, in, in, in a lot of ways. And, and uh, I'm really liking the list that, that I came up with. I uh, feel really good about it. I feel really good about Patrick Mahomes being number 101 uh, because already people are uh, screaming at me that he's way too high and he's way too low. It's amazing. It's amazing how that works. There are people who think it's a joke that nobody who's only in his fourth year, full year of playing could possibly be one of the greatest players of all time. And then, of course, the others that think are who's better than him. And and they're all right. Everybody's right. That's the great <laughs> thing about, about doing these kinds of lists uh, is everybody's right. Hey, um, can I point out one thing here, guys? Um, sorry, this is my Nick's Carmelo moment. But uh, – and, and, Joe, I love you. You know that. You're like sure. a writing hero to me. And I hope to see you when you're in town next week. But the shout-out that you gave to your shirt – yeah. Little um, how come when you went on Sportsbeat Live with the New York Post with Vac, you had a Yankee shirt on? <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. And I and I just did something with Scott Simon where I wore a Cubs jersey. So I'm not saying I personalized this for you. I'm saying that this is for Salvi. And and uh, I when I woke up this morning, I said I'm going to put this shirt on for Salvi. And oh. Maybe I'll also be on uh, on with the with the Kansas City guys. That'll that'll work out really neatly. So yeah, no, it's it's weird because my whole closet now is I you know I'm I'm doing, uh you know I'm I'm doing obviously many many different cities over the next uh, over the next couple of weeks virtually, um and uh, man I I've got a closet filled with every one of their clothes. So so yeah, you're you're looking at the world's biggest Phillies fan in a couple of hours. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's funny when I was on with the Yankees, uh, they really were pushing me to to offer praise for Derek Jeter, and and uh, uh, the, you you guys probably know I'm not the world's biggest Yankees or Derek Jeter fan, and uh, and not I'm I'm not an anti Derek Jeter. It's just he was the guy I love to hate, and uh, and so they got me to do that. And so I was on Twitter and they were mocking me for saying all these nice things about Derek Jeter. And I just want to just say for the record that Yankees buy sneakers too. So that's basically everybody, everybody is, uh, is, is an audience member at this point. All right. I just hope in a couple hours, you'll be able to defend Richie Ashburn. All right, listen, the book is called The Baseball 100. It is um, fantastic. Uh, uh, magnum opus is what uh, is, is how it's described. And, and Joe, Joe is going to be in Kansas City next week. Uh, he'll be part of a discussion with Bill James. We talked about him earlier. It's a week from Wednesday, September 29th, Unity Temple on the Plaza. That's on 47th Street, presented by Rainy Day Books. Joe, can't thank you enough for joining us. 
Hope to see you in town next week. And thanks to Sam, Lynn, and Bahe and our producer, Beth Welsh, for coordinating this. And we will do this again next week. Maybe not with Joe, but we'll be back next week talking <laughs> Royals with you. Thanks a lot. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy, Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, and of course Joe Posnanski for Talking Royals and of course Joe's new book, The Baseball 100. Links to Sal Perez stories and links to Joe's book, how you can get it, are found in the show notes. So, hey, I wanted to call your attention to something new. It's called the Morning Sports Edition. Maybe you know about the Star Z edition. That's a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the e-edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner. Click on that and you can access a sports page. It includes the late afternoon and evening news, or maybe you get the link in the email. Either way, it's access to complete coverage of the previous day's news, sports features, stats, and everything. Um, like in today's, you can read all about Salvador Perez's uh, 46th home run of the season and the Royals' doubleheader sweep of the Cleveland Indians. So however you get your star, I want to thank you because you're supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.